What's up, sports fans? Welcome into another uh, another edition of my podcast. Uh, sports columnist Corey Clark here talking about, uh, you know, Florida State football. And what a fun fall this has been for you guys. And for me, too. You know, nothing's more exciting than covering a 2-4 a and four football team. Just like nothing, I'm sure, is more exciting than cheering for one. Or trying to cheer when they give you reasons to. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of a lot to unpack about the game on Saturday, um, there's strategy, you know, there's strategic decisions that could be questioned. Um, there's certainly issues within the program on the coaching staff that definitely need to be addressed at the end of the season. Um, so this one will probably be all over the map here while I talk about this. It's kind of being going to kind of be off the cuff. Um, first, I'll just talk about uh, what happened at the end of the game um, when, when Jimbo was walking off the field? And I think there needs to be some context there. I, I wrote about it, obviously, after the game. You're not going to not write about it when the head coach uh, challenges a fan to come down to the field to say it to his face. Um, that's not what the head coach needs to do. And I, I'll tell you, I, I'm not one of those people. That, here's my biggest problem with it as I start a new sentence and don't even finish the other one. Um, my biggest problem with this is that uh, number one, the guy didn't say anything that deserved really a reaction. And that's that's kind of where – that was my biggest problem with it is it wasn't as if the fan who – look, that fan wanted attention. He he apparently is there a lot doing the same things and yelling the same things, um, and he wanted attention. Um, that's why he did it. He was a look-at-me fan trying to get Jimbo's attention, uh, trying to get a reaction, and that's what he got. But he didn't, he didn't yell anything um, you know, necessarily derogatory, certainly wasn't vulgar, wasn't attacking family members. All he continually yelled was, get new coaches, get new coaches, which is a refrain that I imagine thousands of people inside Doak Campbell Stadium were saying to themselves or their friends, our text mess are to their friends and text messages during the course of that game and after that game. That's how I, at this point, from talking to some of you, mo- many people about this program, that's where most fans are right now is, hey, Jimbo, get new coaches. So this guy wasn't really saying anything outlandish. Uh, and, you know, he was screaming for attention. That's why his volume was so high. But it wasn't as if he was telling Jimbo, go do something with a farm animal. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's not a great that's not a great analogy, Corey. I, I apologize for that, but you know what I mean. He wasn't he wasn't vulgar. He wasn't because I'm not one of those people that think, oh, the fans are always off limits. Don't ever don't ever give them the satisfaction of a reaction because there I have been in places where okay, I'll give you one example real quick. So I was covering it was actually the day that the Jameis Winston news broke. Uh, TMZ and us at the Democrat broke that story. Um, that would become a story for two or three years after that uh, in the middle of the 2013 season. I was in Orlando covering a Florida State basketball game against Central Florida. And I, the way the press row is situated um, at that arena, it's right in front of the UCF student section. And there were two or three UCF kids that every time Michael Ojo got the ball in that game, they made monkey sounds, loud monkey sounds. Um, and I'm not going to... Uh, you know, try to reenact what they, what the noises they were making. You know what I mean. You know what how monkeys sound. So every time Ojo got the ball, they did that. And when he sat on the bench, they tried to yell things at him to get his attention. Keep in mind, there's no barrier between the student section and the floor. 
Ojo was legitimately 20 feet from them, 20 to 25 feet. And if you guys follow FSU basketball, you know the mountain of a man that is Michael Ojo. He is a huge human being. And these scrawny 5'9 UCF students felt because they were in the stands and they had the protection of being in the stands that they're untouchable. And I really wanted Michael Ojo to walk right up to them and say, please do that again with me right here. Please do it. Because Michael Ojo would have sent them all to the hospital. And I don't think you can say that that was unwarranted or they didn't deserve that. They deserved a reaction because they were being completely racist cowards. And so Michael Ojo deserved to give them a reaction. And it would have been a befitting reaction to the asses that they were being. So that's when I say that there's, there's, you know, Chris Rock had that joke, man, there's a reason to kick an old man down a flight of stairs. There's a reason to go into the stands and there's a reason to challenge a fan to come down on the field and say it to your face. Get new coaches isn't one of them. I've seen ones that are, that are actually warranted. I've seen them up close. And I guess my problem with the whole thing is Michael Ojo, the 21-year-old, the basketball player, maybe he was 20 at the time, 19, um, showed the self-restraint not to go over there and challenge them. Because, man, it, if he heard it, which I don't know how he couldn't have, if he heard it, I can't imagine how much will that took not to go over there and do that. And yet... The guy that gets paid almost $6 million a year that has had the whole world built for him at Florida State has one fan screaming at him to get new coaches, and he makes a beeline over to that fan. Now, the fan wasn't leaning over the railing walk, leading into the tunnel. Jimbo made his way over there about 15 feet. He veered over there to challenge the fan to come down on the field and say it to his face. That's just not a good look. You got to have thicker skin than that. Jimbo has thick skin. I mean, he he says all the right things when it comes to our, you know, uh, the, what the press does and what the fans do, and and um, you know, he understands the frustration. And he even said that on Monday that the that fan is hurt. He wants to win. He goes, "We're all hurt," uh, but he also said he didn't regret it because he was defending his coaches and his the coaches' families were within earshot and. You know, that's fine, but it's a bad look. The optics of it are bad. Sure, you're defending your coaches. Um, that's great, but now what if there's six people screaming that at you after you walk off the field uh, Saturday against Syracuse, two Saturdays from now? Or, you know, there's going to be FSU fans in Boston. What if they see you lose then? They might be yelling not flattering things to you. You just have to tune that out because you expect your players to tune that out. Now, they don't have to tune everything out. If somebody's going to be racist, if somebody's going to say something about their mom, if they're going to be complete jackasses, man, I have, all, I have no problem with telling a fan to go, you know, come down here and say it. Come meet me outside. Meet me in the parking lot. I'll meet you right now. I don't have a problem with that because too often these fans think they're in some protective bubble where it's not real life. And because they're in a, they bought a ticket, they have the right to say whatever they want to another human being, and that's not the case. In this instance, though, it was an overreaction by Jimbo, one that I wish he regretted more because he said he didn't regret it at all. Anyway, I think what, what plays into that is how painful a loss that was because they were lucky to be in the game. You know, if they don't get that gift, fourth down roughing the passer penalty, the game's over, and it might end up being a blowout. Instead, right after that, uh, Nyquan Murray shows great hustle, recovering a, a fumble in the end zone to get him within one score. The defense gets a stand. They go right down the field, score again on a beautiful throw from Blackman to Murray. They tie it up. Then the defense gets another stand on a fourth and one, the biggest play the defense had had all year. They had finally made a play when it mattered. 
Jimbo had to feel so good about that. And for Charles Kelly, the game was working out perfectly. They started driving down the field. They had a first down at the 20-yard line with two and a half minutes left, Louisville with one timeout. I thought Louisville, depending on what that first down play would have been, Louisville might have tried to let Florida State score just so they could have time to get the ball back in the Heisman winner's hands and go tie it or win the game with a two-point conversion. But it's all working out where you're going to take the lead with you know a minute left. Somewhere around there, you're going to take the lead, and you're going to be in position to win a game against the team that beat you, humiliated you a season ago by 43 points. Instead, you fumble it on a, just a, a throwaway play, a play you run a million times. You just run three or four times on that drive. Your, your freshman quarterback somehow loses the ball, Louisville recovers it, and everybody in the stadium knows they're going to go down and kick and go win the game, and that's exactly what they did. So then instead of getting to feel good about your defense for making that stop when they had to have it, instead of getting to feel good about your offense and your whole team for coming back after playing, the offense was really kind of just dog poo for the first three quarters, to make those plays again in the fourth quarter when it mattered, to win that game against a team that so humiliated like it was all on the table and it was going to be one of I think it really was going to be one of the more satisfying wins of Jimbo Fisher's career now that says something about the current state of the program where a win over a, a mediocre Louisville team would do that but all the heat that they this team has been under all the scrutiny for them to win a game like that would have been so huge for Jimbo and for the program and instead they blow it they 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 throw the ball they you know they fumble the ball at the end you know the defense isn't going to get two stops in a row against Lamar Jackson everybody in the stadium knew that they were going to go down the field and score it just it wasn't it was an inevitability and of course that's exactly what they did they kick a short field goal in the game with five seconds left so that is why Jimbo Jim, when when that fumble happened Jimbo took a knee like literally went to a knee like he couldn't believe it he was so anguished because it was such going to be such a good win and in that moment he knew they were about to lose the game they only had one timeout they couldn't stop the clock Louisville was going to go down and win the game so that's the context of why he was so angry because his team was heartbroken like literally that might have been the most crushing loss of Jimbo's career and his players he you know he saw how crushed they were um, and as they're walking off the field after, and they did give really good effort. Uh, you know, I wrote about it today or Wednesday. Um, Demarcus Christmas made one of the all-time effort plays in Florida State history, and I wish you. I hope uh, not for me. I hope you click on that story and read it. Read my column about that play just for Demarcus Christmas because it's not easy to give that kind of effort when you're on a losing team, and he did. Um, and it was just one of the all-time great plays. His team, you know, Jimbo's team for the most part played really hard. Um, they did try really hard. And they were in position to win a great, have a great win, a great comeback win, down twenty-eight fourteen against Louisville. And instead, they they uh, you know blew it in the final minutes. And so they were crushed, devastated, walking off that field. And his rabbit ears picked up on somebody yelling, "Get new coaches!" Um, and he just didn't. He he thought that was the right thing to do. It wasn't, um, in my opinion, it just wasn't the right thing to do ever. When when somebody's not. When somebody's just yelling at you to get new coaches, just keep walking. Don't give him the ben- don't give him the satisfaction of getting a reaction. Plus, it became a story for three days. So anyway, um, so Jimbo's obviously clearly frustrated. Uh, he was devastated after that game. I, I legitimately, I think that might have been the hardest loss of his career. And he's had a few doozies now. Um, you know, he had a, he had a couple in 2010. Um, he had you know he had the NC State game in 2012, the Oregon game. Louisville last year. I mean, there were some devastating losses in his career. Obviously, a lot of really nice wins too. But um, I think this was right up there with them because now they're two and four, and now you're looking at a team that's going to have to scratch, fight, and claw to get to a bowl game. 
You know, if they win that Louisville game, okay, you're three and three. You're going to Boston College. Then you got Syracuse. You really should be five and three. You also got Delaware State on the horizon. You're going to get to a bowl. Now you're two and four. You're going to a Boston College team that's just put up forty plus in back to back weeks and beat the tar. Number one, beat the Louisville team you just lost to and put up forty five on them. Meanwhile, your offense scored twenty one against Louisville. Um, and then beat the tar out of a five and one Virginia team. One of maybe maybe the most impressive win of any ACC team this season, save for maybe what Clemson did at Louisville. I mean that's a really impressive win. Both of those games were on the road for Boston College to go and win those two games. Now they're four and four. I mean that that offense is playing really well. They believe, and now they think they're going to beat you badly on Friday night. Um, I don't think that's the case, but. Um, you know, I, that, you know, who knows? Uh, I do think that it's going to be a game for sure. And I certainly don't, I'm not expecting Florida State to win. I won't be surprised if they win, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they lost either. And so that's where we are as a program. And more so than strategy about, I don't know, the slow pace of the offense, going forward on, you kicking field goals on fourth and two instead of uh, kicking long field goals instead of trying to maybe get a first down and score a touchdown. Um, Jimbo Jimbo's kind of at a crossroads and I wrote about that too so maybe maybe you should read that one maybe you should read that one you should essentially read everything I write is what I'm trying to tell you here that's what this podcast is it's kind of an advertisement for my columns so read them all um but you know I think you know as we as we look towards the end of this season there's there's just no chance that Jimbo Fisher thinks that everything is okay with his program. And I'm not just talking about the record. like Because there's he lost his starting quarterback. That's a legitimate excuse. He lost his starting quarterback. He's lost to some really good teams. Um, Louisville's not a good team, but they're not a terrible team, and they have the Heisman Trophy winner. So the four losses are to you know teams that are – two teams that are undefeated, one team that has one loss that they outgained that team by 300 yards. You know, NC State should legitimately be undefeated too. Um, that was crazy. They lost that South Carolina game, and then the other loss is to a Heisman. It's to yeah, the guy that won the Heisman, the Heisman Trophy winner. So it's not like these losses are are terrible losses in a vacuum in and of themselves. But you're two and four in your Florida State, and every halfway decent team you've played this year, you lost to. That's not acceptable. And Jimbo Fisher is a winner. He has won everywhere he's ever been. He's had two losing seasons in his coaching career at the FBS level. One was at Auburn. Uh, they went 3-8. and eight. That was with a true freshman quarterback, too, by the way, the only other time he's coached one. And the whole staff got fired at the end of the year. Terry, Brown was, Terry Bowden was forced out in the middle of the year. So there was that one that turned really ugly. And then the very next year, he was the offensive coordinator for a terrible Cincinnati team. Did well with that offense, but the team itself, the program itself, wasn't very good. And they went 3-8. and eight. And then he got hired by Nick Saban and has won every year, uh, everywhere else he's been. Won every season. Um, so as, a, as an assistant coach, and then he, at Florida State as an assistant coach, they'd go 7-6. and six. Uh, but he's also been two and four before. That 2009 Florida State team was two and four, and they figured out a way to get to a bowl game. They also had Christian Ponder at quarterback, not a true freshman. So, the la- but either way, no matter if they get to a bowl or not, no matter whether they sneak out a seven and five win season because they get Louisiana Monroe back on the schedule, however it plays out, maybe they win at Florida. I mean, that's certainly going to be a a punt fest. Who knows who, how that one plays out. So they have a chance there for sure to win that game. They, 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 you know, other than Clemson, they, you know, theoretically should win every game on their schedule. But you just don't know because this team hasn't played well all season. They haven't had a game all season where they played well. They lost to, you know, they beat Duke on a, by batting down a pass in the end zone. They beat Wake Forest by batting a pass down in the end zone. That's where they are. That's how close they are to 
being 0-6. That's not good enough. Jimbo rightly has the excuse that his true fre- that his uh, starting quarterback is a true freshman because the starting the starter got hurt. That's an excuse. Francois, they wouldn't be great with DeAndre Francois, but they'd have a much better record and they'd probably be ranked. I would think four and two, five and one, uh, probably four and two, but maybe five and one with him. Certainly not two and four. I think we all can agree on that. Even though Blackman hasn't been terrible, he the offense hasn't been very good with him. They would be much better with DeAndre Francois. That's just reality. So he has that excuse. He does have the excuse of the hurricane. He has the excuse of a tough schedule. They're two and four. Going to lose at least five games this year. Maybe six, maybe eight. We don't know. You can't look at this schedule and say, you know what? Well, we were really close to NC State. We were really close to Miami. We almost won that game. We were really close to Louisville. We should have won that game. You, you can't do that because that's what was being done in the late 2000s um, when Bobby Bowden was the, was the coach, when Jeff Bowden was still the offensive coordinator in the mid-2000s. Well, we, you know, we barely lost to Clemson. It was like 17-13. to 13. We barely lost to this team. We barely lost to that team. It took 30 to nothing against Wake Forest. For people to realize, okay, this isn't you're not you're not close. Your 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 talent is good enough that you hang around and still find a way to lose these close games, but you're not close to being a great team. You're not close to being a great program. Florida State is not close to being a great program. They're close to winning a few games here and there, but you can't look at this program the last two and a half years and think they're close to being great again. They're not. Jimbo cannot look at this program and think that. I think last year, how last season ended, they won seven of eight to end the year. Their one loss in that stretch was a game where they led Clemson by two scores in the fourth quarter, and then their starting safety got kicked out for targeting. So they almost beat the national. They were, they were, they were on, in position to beat the eventual national champions. When you do that and you look at that, they kind of controlled the Michigan game. Who was real, Michigan was good last year. Um, they can, I know the game was only won by a point, but Florida State was the better team, and it was obvious. So with that in mind, Jimbo, I think, thought to himself, okay, well, that first half of last season was an aberration. We're actually close to being great. This season we get Derwin back. We're going to be great. This, we have a chance to be in the playoff. Nope, didn't happen. And you can point to Francois and say things would be different, but it would not be a great team even with DeAndre Francois quarterback. Jimbo has to know that. He is a winner. I keep stressing that. He's a guy, he, he is really, really competitive. And I just can't think that there's a possibility that even with as close as they are to these, to these wins um, and having a 4-2, and 5-1 and one record, that he thinks that everything is okay, that they're really that close. He has to know. He has to look into his mirror and say, you know what? We're not anywhere close to what we were in 2013. Alabama stays at that level all the time. Urban Meyer at Ohio State – They've had some dips a little bit here and there, but for the most part, they're top 10 all the time. Florida State is out of the rankings. They've, had a, they, they've fallen off a cliff. Last year, you know, they, they, were, they were out of the rankings in October too. They fought their way back up to number 10 by playing some bad teams, but, you know, they, they weren't ranked. They weren't relevant. They haven't been relevant in over two years, not since the, the Georgia Tech loss. They were 6-0 and going into that game ranked, I don't know, top five in the country, and then had that field goal blocked. And since then, and run back, since then, they've lost what? They've lost 10 times in the last two years, calendar years. That's, that's not cutting it, man. That's not Florida State. Jimbo has to know that. So he has to make changes. What they're going to be, I don't know. I think it's going to be substantial. I don't think you can expect anybody to come support your program next year like you want to be supported. And get the money you want for your football facility, the gazillion-dollar football facility you want to build. I don't know how you can do that 
and bring back Charles Kelly as your defensive coordinator. Whether you think he's the best coach for the job or not, he isn't. But that doesn't mean he's a terrible defensive coordinator. It just means it's not working here. And the fans are done with him. And if you're going to bring him back, knowing that the fans want to see that you're actually trying to make adjustments and you're trying to make changes and alterations to your staff so you can return to 2013, 2013 and you know 14, just they, they had Jameis Winston. That's why they won all those close games. So if you want to... If you want to bring the fans back on board, you have to make a change there. Whether he deserves it or not, whether it's fair or not, just for, this, just for what it means for the fans, you have to do it. You have to. You, can't not, you cannot bring him back, in good faith, bring him back and expect fans to be excited about 2018. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know. He might be great. It's not getting through to his players. They don't play, they don't play with a lot of passion and aggression. It's not the Florida State defense that fans are that Florida State fans are used to in the nineties and with Mickey. Those defenses were relentless and mean, and this isn't that. This is not an attacking defense. It does not create turnovers. It does not inspire you. And maybe that's not maybe that's the people that are playing for Charles Kelly. Maybe it's the recruitment. Maybe it's the development. Maybe it's bad luck. Or maybe it's Charles Kelly. Who knows? But something has to change there. It's just not a good defense. It's not good enough at Florida State. So there, there has to be a change there just for the sake of the fans. If you want the fans to be bought in in 2018, you cannot bring back this staff from 2017. It can't happen. So that's one thing. On the offense, yes, there are some issues there. I would think, I think Jimbo needs to think long and hard about becoming less involved in the offense, hiring a true offensive coordinator. There are great offensive minds all over this country, up-and-coming guys that, that want to be head coaches. You know, you look at Florida State staff. How many of those guys are, are going to be poached from other staffs? How many of those guys are in position to be a head coach somewhere? Florida State should always be loaded with assistants who, who are upwardly mobile, who are moving up to better jobs and bigger jobs. That's what, that's what Florida State should be loaded with, those kind of assistants. Not guys who this is their last stop. That shouldn't be the case. But for a few of them, I think it is. And, you know, maybe that's not what Florida State needs right now. He needs to hit the reset button because something's broken. It's like a, the old Nintendos. Take the cartridge out blow in the back of it and put it back in and start over. He needs to start <clears throat> he needs to get the all the dust particles out of his cartridge and put it back in and try again because this 2 and 4 isn't cutting it at all and you guys all know that. So I do think just even if he doesn't think they're the right decisions, which would be a really bad sign because Jimbo Fisher should know how to build back this program again because he did it once. So he, so he needs to know that this isn't good good enough. He has to know that. He's never going to say it publicly, especially not during the middle of a season. He can't. That's not fair. And you don't fire coaches in the middle of the season because that never really works out ever. But he needs to, he's going to have to do it after the season. He's going to have to make these fans, after one of the, the most disappointing season in four decades, he's going to have to make these fans understand that he cares enough and he is going to do whatever it takes to get this program back to where it was just four short years ago. Um, so that's what I think uh, the, the discussion becomes at the end of the year. That, that, that comes in December. Right now, it's just playing out the string. Um, but I think he will make significant changes to his staff. And if he doesn't, then, they're in, uh, the, then the Florida State fans are going to kind of just punt on his tenure until he does or until he proves to them that, he know, that this isn't 
uh, the, the program hasn't fallen off a cliff. Because right now, I mean, 2014 wasn't that long ago. At all, it was three years, less than three years ago, they were undefeated on their way to playing the first ever college football playoff. And since, since that quarterback left, it's been a lot like 2010 Florida State. Jimbo needs to figure that out and get it back to 2013. And, it, you know, that, I know that was an all-time team. He might not ever get it back there again because that was an all-time great team, one of the best in college football history. But, man, this looks so different. It looks nothing like it. The program looks, feels nothing like it. There's just a staleness to it right now that needs to be figured out. Um, but he's not going to be fired. I don't think he should be fired, number one. But when you owe a guy $40 million, it's, it's financially irresponsible to fire, fire a guy and pay him that kind of money. So he's not going to be fired even if they go 2-10. and 10. Even if they lose to Delaware State, he's not going to be fired. So he has plenty of uh, job security. Those other guys don't need to have any job security, any of them. You know, they all should be coaching for their jobs for the rest of the year. And I'm sure he's probably told them that or they understand that. But he would never come out and say that publicly. So anyway, that's a lot of me talking. Wow, it's over 25 minutes of just me yapping about this program. But, I mean, that's where we are. Two and four is when you start out number three in the country and you're two and four, there's a lot to talk about. And there's changes that need to be made. And I do think Jimbo will make them. He's not going to say anything publicly during the season. And, you wouldn't, and frankly, you wouldn't want a coach to do that during the season. You don't want him to be that guy. But they will happen after the season. They have to. Otherwise, the entire fan base kind of shrugs their shoulders at this program. And you go from anger, which you have now, to apathy, which is a whole lot worse. That's what, that's what uh, Bowden had at the end of his tenure was apathy. And that's when you know you've really lost a program and a fan base, when you've got 20,000, 30,000 empty seats. And I promise you, if he brings back this staff intact and they struggle to start out next season, which is very likely because they always struggle, um, they never win big, They all every game is a – just a grind fest of mediocrity. Um, if that happens again next season, there's going to be thousands and thousands of empty seats. It's just that's how it's going to be. So anyway, this was fun, right? Another fun, uh, another fun podcast. A lot of fun topics to talk about. Um, as for the Boston College game, who knows? It's a coin flip. All these games are coin flips. Maybe Florida State gets a stop at the end when it needs it. Maybe Blackman doesn't fumble, ball, fumble the ball at the 20. Or maybe they get blown out. Who knows? But anyway, enjoy it. It's Friday night, and then enjoy your weekend. you got all Saturday and Sunday to do whatever um, and not have to be pained by your football team. So anyway, Corey Clark, I appreciate you listening to this. Uh, we'll talk next week. Peace and love.